Two cool dudes. I am your host, Lawrence Williams, and my co-host, Mr. Anthony Johnson. Uh, we have another exciting show for you today on mental health uh, and prescription drugs. Um, our guest is going to fill us in on some things. We have some questions for her when she comes up here um, in a few minutes. Um, before we begin, I'd like to make our audience aware that this morning's program is to provide information. Uh, never to provide any diagnosis, never to give anyone any insight on what it is that you're struggling with. If you feel that you're having a mental health episode or you are struggling with some things, we strongly advise you to contact your, your, medi uh, your medical provider um, and have them re reach out to them to discuss whatever may be going on with you. Um, my man Anthony has, has some words for us today, this morning as well. Go ahead, sir. What's going on? It's your man Anthony here. Thank you for tuning in to Two Cool Dudes once again. Uh, this Sunrise Show is paid programming is brought to you by Lawrence Williams Health Insurance, Convenience, Choice, Counsel, More Than Just Health, located in Gettysburg. AIS Junk Removal, your local junk hauler, we're on our way. Weaver Accounting Solutions offers bookkeeping, taxing, and payroll services to local businesses and individuals now located on High Street in Gettysburg and front-running construction. And all, as always, thank you to the community media of South Central PA for providing us this opportunity. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Johnson, I'm going to yes, jump sir. in before we get our guest up here. I uh, want to just see that you released a, a music video. I did. You did, right? Yes, I did. You, you, did, uh, you did. I released a video called uh, Feeling Myself, uh, shot by Amp, which is Academy Media for Production, located in McSherrystown, PA. Um, uh, it was a song that we did. We haven't even released a song. The song is not even out streaming. Um, it's just a song I was performing and I liked it. Um, it's a class that goes uh, through AMP. They always do good work. They have shot so many of our videos. So check out AMP School. Um, if you're looking in the audio media, stuff like that, recording, you definitely want to check out Academy of Media for Production located in Missourystown, PA. But check out Feeling Myself video. It was nice. I was that, was, you, you sent me the link the other day. I was, did. Was, was, was you I you one was one of the first to get it. One of the first? Yeah. yeah. You was one of the first to yeah, get it. Yeah, I really, I, I, I like it. And I like you that you have your, have your little girls in there yeah, playing. Playing the piano. Yeah, indeed. Playing shout the out piano. Lou. Shout out Luna. Yeah, I like that. Indeed. I like that, sir. I like that. Um, we have a, uh, we've been invited to an event next weekend. Yes. Um, couples event. I'll yes. be going solo, but it's a, it's a couples event. I, I, I'll, I'll be with my lady. <laughs> I love you. Uh, it is with, it is, it's being hosted by Miss Patricia Green Rogers mm -hmm. uh, of the Stone Farm. Um, they have a special guest, right? Uh, yes, his name is... One of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Uh, give me one second while I get his name. Pittsburgh Steelers first. I think his name was Woodruff. Lee something Lee, Lee Woodruff. Woodruff. Yeah, him and his wife. Dwayne, are Dwayne out. Woodruff and his wife Joy Maxburn Woodruff. Yes. Yeah, they'll be out uh, next weekend in Gettysburg with an event with Miss uh, Patricia Green. They'll be speaking on relationships a little bit, yes. right? Yes, uh, relationships. Relationship goals. Uh, I think how they kept their marriage going. If you're married or if you're looking to get married, um, they they have real good uh, content about you know what it what it takes to uh, stay married and get married. Be so a power couple, it right? It definitely is. Yeah. So that's definitely something um, for couples. If you want to come out, you definitely want to check that out. And it's two day event. Uh, it's Friday and Saturday. They have a list of things that go on from. Um, in the morning to the evening on both days. Uh, I think Anthony and I are both attending on uh, Friday evening. I think um, Friday is Friday invite only. Friday is invite only. Invite only. I Friday think Saturday is, is like a, an event. 
Yeah. Um, a fundraising event. I think it's like if you want to donate something yeah, to that effect. Yeah, it's like 50 bucks. 50 bucks, something like dinner, that. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So we so just want to make that clear. Friday is invite only. Saturday, I think you can actually go, but you, I think it's a donation event. So And, and we got invited. So Indeed. So we'll, we'll yeah, take that. Yeah, we feel we'll good. Yeah. Feel, feeling myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move on, let, I want to ask you a question. Um, yes, sir. Looked in right Aid, I saw this picture of you. Um, <laughs> beside it, you said something about taking a wet nap. And Giant also on uh, uh, Camp Letterman Road, I saw it as well. So w w what's going on with that? Uh, it's just some advertising to, to, to make people aware that right. there is a, a local insurance guy that is local, that is from the town that is right. that's available to you. Uh, as you read earlier, Convenience Choice and Council. Uh, so I'm just trying to market myself, make myself available to, to people, let them know that I'm here, um, that I offer health insurance options, life insurance, and Medicare and other, you know, other insurance things. So if people don't know that you do these things mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't have a business and you don't, you know, you don't provide a service mm -hmm. to people. So, um, so I have them up in Giant, as you already said, and in uh, Rite Aid in uh, Gettysburg. Um, it's just a sanitary station just to pull some right. wet wipes to wipe down your basket or your car. Indeed. You know? And while you're at it, take a look. You know what I mean? And, and, <laughs> indulge because um, just, just a brief, just if you have children, um, if you're getting married, things of that nature, you need life insurance. You need health insurance. Um, and he's very uh, knowledgeable in this area. Um, I'm actually going to speak with him about uh, life insurance for my children as well. I already have uh, life insurance, but we want to indulge more uh, as far as like health insurance and things of that nature. So that's definitely something you want to look into, and this is the guy you want to talk to. Please so do. make sure you talk to him about it because he's definitely going to be able to help you out. Please do. I, I, what I do is I, I pretty much just educate people on their options and the mm -hmm. choices that they have. Indeed. Um, it's never me forcing anything on anyone. Exactly. That's not my, that's not my my goal. It's, it's to educate you, to counsel you, and then allow you to make a choice on what it is that it's you feel you. benefits it's for you, you and Indeed. your family. Indeed. Um, so I do all that stuff, man. Like I said, with Medicare, with, with life insurance, with health insurance, supplemental insurance, and all that stuff. There's a lot of things out there for people, insurance-wise, that they are not aware about. Mm -hmm. And then there's things that I review within a plan and the summary of benefits that allows people to know, like, I, I'm, I'm I'm allowed to have a lot of things free when it comes to my health insurance. Indeed. Um, you know, mammograms, mm -hmm. um, your yearly checkups uh, for, for just your just uh, uh, just normal, yeah. Normal things, right? Uh, colonoscopies, just certain things as you get oh, wow. older. Like those are things that are that are there for you. Oh, wow. I, didn't, at, I didn't know that. Yeah, that come at no cost or at low cost because they are preventative, uh, preventative uh, things. Also, I didn't know if you can hit brief on this. I didn't know that when you had life insurance, you can actually borrow from your life insurance while you're living. That's yes. not something you can actually just do uh, uh, at your death. You can actually borrow from it while you're living. How right. does that work? It depends on what type of policy you have. Gotcha. Uh, there, there are several different options in regarding life, uh, life insurance. Like you have term, mm -hmm. you have whole life, and then you have like index, universal, variable, right. um, variable policies and different ones allow you to borrow against the policy gotcha. uh, and then there are some term policies that allow you to depending on what type you have like living benefits which okay. means like if you have a terminal illness if you have a chronic illness um, you can borrow against it uh, it's really not borrowing in that sense, but you can take some of that policy right. and utilize it maybe uh, like to prepare for a funeral arrangements right. or to pay for some of your, some of your doctor ex hospital expenses um, that allow you to do those things. So there's different options. And like right. I said, I educate people on, on everything that's available to them. You say, hey, I want a term policy. Sure. 
How long? 30 years. Okay, well, this is 30-year term policy with living benefits or without living benefits. Mm -hmm. So I really do try to educate people on what their options are. See, this is why you need to talk to him. <laughs> See what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's what I'm telling y'all. I appreciate you, You need sir. to talk to him. So I appreciate thank you, Thank you for sir. explaining that to yeah. us. And again, if you need health insurance, life insurance, make sure you contact Lawrence Williams. Make sure you get with him and sit down and have that conversation. I know a lot of people don't like to have those conversations. They're, they're, they're but it's, it, they, They're really hard, but com those are conversations that need to be had. So yeah. check them out. I appreciate you, sir. Indeed, I appreciate um, you. Moving forward, uh, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break here before we have our guest come up, get rearranged and set her up, and then we'll get right into the program on uh, uh, mental health and prescription drugs. Yes. So we'll be right back. Right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, we have our guest here, Ms. Jaleesa Jules, uh, nurse practitioner. Um, I'm going to allow her to speak on her behalf on who she is and what she does, and then we'll get into some of the questionings, the Q&A session that we have, uh, have for her. Ms. Jaleesa Jules, thank welcome you. to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so a little bit about me. Currently, I'm a nurse practitioner. I've been a nurse practitioner for about six years, mm -hmm. um, and I work right now in hospital medicine. So I'm with a hospitalist department, so we kind of serve as like the primary care doctors of inpatient hospitalized patients. So on that service, I started doing that um, consulting for people with addiction. Gotcha. So I serve on the Suboxone consultation service where okay. we have patients who are inpatient and might be going through withdrawal. And so what I do as a consulting service is go in and initiate them, if they're open to it, on a medication called Suboxone, also known as buprenorphine, um, to help them get through the withdrawal period while they're in the hospital. And then we connect with outside services if it's something they want to continue. Gotcha. Yep, so I'm here. I'm currently also now going back to school for psychiatry okay, so that I can specialize in that because there is a need. So I want to be here to help serve my community and the most vulnerable. All right, awesome. I think Mr. Johnson has some questions for you. All right. Well, before All right. we get into this Sunrise show, <laughs> what is your influence that led you to become a nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner and a psychiatrist? And then to psychiatric care. Sorry, okay. psychiatric care. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. That's all right. So I always knew I wanted to be in the medical field, I will gotcha. say. My mom, shout out to you, Reese. <laughs> she is a psychiatric or pediatric psychiatric nurse. So she has always worked with youth who have psychiatric issues. So when I went into nursing, I did it because my mom's a nurse. I wanted to help people. Gotcha. And then transitioning into now being a nurse practitioner and specializing in psychiatry, I started it because of the addiction. Mm -hmm. And there's always an overlap between addiction and mm -hmm. psychiatric issues, Indeed. you know? We have to be looking at the underlying cause. So Indeed. that's kind of what rerouted me, and I'm really happy that I'm starting to make the transition. So when you talk about addictions, um, and you mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm, I wrote down some notes here, dealing with people, uh, dealing with individuals that, uh, that deal with addiction, and what was the medication that you said that you prescribed? Suboxone. Suboxone, Suboxone. yeah. Um, so before I get to my, my question, just going off of this, so when you deal with those individuals with, with addiction, like what does the Suboxone actually do when, with someone that has, you know, has dealt with drug use? Sure. So... In the inpatient population, it's actually really difficult to treat them sometimes, right? Because if people are doing IV drugs, they might come in with an abscess in their arm. They might okay. need to get um, INDs to debride those areas. So okay. they're having acute pain. And then we know that they have a history of drug abuse. Mm -hmm. So in the initial portion of you know them being hospitalized, we will allow them to have opiate pain medications that they are 
you know, pain is controlled. We don't want these individuals to be suffering and to be having all this pain. So then once they are out of that acute phase and they start to you know, feel a little bit better, don't have an acute need for pain medications, we'll start the suboxone. Okay. And so what there is, there's mu receptors in the brain. When you take opiates or any type of other drugs, those, mu, those mm -hmm. opiates sit on those mu receptors. Indeed. So the suboxone or buprenorphine actually also sits on those mu receptors to give the people the sense that they are not having those acute withdrawal episodes, gotcha. but it's still satisfying their needs for the time being. Okay. And Suboxone also can be used as, for, like for pain control, you know, for some individuals too. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, are we, do you have a question here? I, I do, one more um, yep. because the question I do have about that, because I hear that a lot, um, if an individual is dealing with a drug abuse mm -hmm. um, and they go to a, a location that helps deal with that, they then uh, prescribe them another drug to combat the drug that they're addicted to. The question I have for that is, why would they then prescribe another drug that is possible for that individual to get addicted to, to combat the drug that they're already uh, addicted to? I always find uh, 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 a, a confliction there. Like, doesn't that sure. lead them down the same road just Treating with a one different drug? drug? Issue with Indeed. another drug. Indeed. Okay. So how does that work? So certainly, I can understand that viewpoint. But when you give Suboxone, it's not something that somebody should be getting addicted to. Gotcha. So it's going to sit on those receptors. And there's actually another form of the buprenorphine that has naloxone in it. And naloxone is what we give for people who have had overdose, right? It's okay. the one that reverses it. So that one actually is an abuse deterrent. They put that in with the Suboxone as an abuse deterrent so that if an individual were to use opiates or some type of IV drug while they are taking the Suboxone, it will not have any type of effect on them. Okay. Yep. So when you are giving somebody like the Suboxone, treating it with another drug, you know, think about you're given a medication that is scheduled, like something that we know indeed. what they're it's using, rather than something that has fentanyl in it, like the heroin that people mm -hmm. are injecting and things like that. We know what's in the Suboxone, we're giving that. So they're getting a curb for their cravings, but they're also not experiencing those negative side effects and potential consequences like, you know, abscesses and, you know, sepsis and mm -hmm. things like that that can lead to death. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to save my question to that for later on because sure. I have one that goes along with that with, with the whole brain thing. Mm -hmm. um, so when we think about psychiatrics and, and discussing mental health, there are stigmas that are often associated in the field. Um, sure. That goes with anything when it comes to mental health. Mm -hmm. um, like individuals are looking for attention or there's something or there's nothing wrong with them. How would you, and this is something that we asked uh, Dr. Henry um, a few months ago, but how do you, how would you address those individuals out there that say, oh, well, he doesn't need to see a psychiatrist or she doesn't need to see a psychiatrist. How would you address those people that, 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 that are judging those that may need to see someone. Sure. Mm -hmm. So there are so many stigmas to overcome in mental health, and especially for black and brown individuals, mm -hmm. women and children, and I hope that we can eventually bridge the gap with that. So for me personally, if I see a patient and someone, you know, they're complaining of something and there's people like, oh, they're just fake and this is not real. Right. I'm gonna believe my patient first. Right. First and foremost, and I, you have my trust. Unless you show me otherwise and give me a reason to not trust what you're telling me, mm -hmm. we have to trust what you're saying. Gotcha. Additionally, as a provider and as a population in general, it is important for people to stop asking or, or making assumptions about why somebody's doing something mm -hmm. and ask the question, what caused this individual to behave in this type of a way? Gotcha. So there are ACEs, what we call ACE. ACEs, those are adverse childhood events. That can be childhood trauma. That could be abuse. It could be assault. Mm. It could be exposure to violence from parents. Right. It could be alcoholism and things like that in the family. It could have been alcoholism from a mother while 
she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. There are so many different things. So, you know, on the other side of it, there is something in psychiatry, a diagnosis called conversion disorder. Mm -hmm. And so conversion disorder is a person that presents with psychiatric symptoms um, or neurological symptoms, like okay. physical complaints, weakness on one side, numbness and tingling in their body, okay. visual field cuts. That cannot be diagnosed until a person has undergone a thorough neurological evaluation. They have to okay. do diagnosed, um, you know, imaging. They need to do labs. They need to do like EMGs and EEGs to check and see what's really going on. That is diagnosed after everything else has been excluded gotcha. because there's so many, you know, health things that can cause a person to have these experiences. Abnormal vitamin levels, electrolytes, you know, thyroid. If your thyroid function really? is good or bad, it can lead to mania or depression. So, you know, think of somebody that has hypothyroid, you know, their thyroid function is not functioning at the maximum capacity, so they're going to be kind of down, they mm -hmm. might be cold, whereas somebody on the other side that has an overactive thyroid, they're going to be flying all over the place, they're going to be hot and flushed, those types of things. Wow. So, first and foremost, I think we need to examine the underlying cause of why somebody's having the, ma the manifestations that they are having, okay. because there's so much trauma in the world and so many, you know, unsavory things that people experience, and the psyche's powerful. The psyche ha can, you know, Indeed. cause you to have physical mm -hmm. manifestations mm -hmm. of things if you are psychologically overwhelmed. So, to that I would say, first and foremost, I'm going to trust my patient, and until I have excluded everything else, I'm gonna believe that they are experiencing what they're experiencing. You talk about some thorough background surgery. Yeah, listen, that, that's awesome. Listen, when I say she was dropping jewels just then, <laughs> I'm sitting over there like, keep speaking, you know yeah, what I mean? I mean um, before we move on, I wanna ask sure. one more question before we move forward. Um, when you were speaking about the, uh, um, the neurologist part of it, and you were speaking about how that can play on your psyche and everything. Um, I, I know that food ingredients have a lot of uh, uh, hazardous additives in them. Mm -hmm. that can play on those things as well that do, do changing within the DNA and stuff like that. Sure. Um, what, what do you say to that as a person that's, you know, knowledgeable in this area? What do you yeah. say to that? Well, I got a lot to say on that, but I'm going to keep it brief. Okay. So, you know, you guys ask, like, some things I like to do. I love gardening. I love homesteading and certain yeah. things like that. I'll get to that maybe a little bit later. But I will say, why does the government allow certain things so to be added in food? That's banned in I'm other countries. I'm going to give you an example. Ketchup. Heinz ketchup. <laughs> I buy organic Heinz ketchup, right. right? It doesn't have the high fructose corn syrup in right. it. And it's not allowed in other countries. In Canada, Canada, Japan, yep. Australia. Indeed. Why is it allowed up in here? Indeed. You know, See, so I would say, you know, make these make good choices, but it's up to our legislators to make sure that they are not allowing things in our foods that can be detrimental and harmful to us, Indeed. especially if there's an alternative. Why Indeed. you gotta have yellow seven? Use a little turmeric, you know what I'm saying? Red 40 okay, and stuff like that. Saying, Indeed. Yeah. I gotta break it down to you, man. Listen, my kids, are, they, they, they weren't the happiest about it when we started transitioning from the, 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 the harmful foods, shall I say, and started transitioning to more um, aware food, a more conscious food, shall I say, yeah. a lot more fresh food, fresh vegetables, things from the garden, stuff of that yeah. nature. Um, my children are not a fan of it because they're so used to the sugary yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. myself, my wife and uh, also, Absolutely. a lot used to the sugary stuff, so it's definitely a hard transition. Transition. Um, even stop eating meat was a hard transition. But when you see the difference in how it affects your body differently mm -hmm. and how your body begins to go through withdrawal from it, it shows you that that was harmful. Yeah. Your body should yeah. not go through withdrawal from food. No. It so shouldn't. if your body's going through withdrawal from food, that also is in a sense a drug that's killing us. Yeah. 
without us even recognizing it. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to speak on that so we're more aware and conscious of what we're uh, consuming in our system. So. And just to add to that again briefly, it needs to be more affordable. Indeed. Why are the Cheetos 50 cents exactly. and it's $2 for an apple? Exactly. You know, and people of a lower socioeconomic exactly. status cannot afford these things. So it's up to us to make sure that these things that are healthy mm -hmm. are affordable yep. and easily accessible for the people that need them most. Well, why would they do that? Because if they do that, then that goes into taking away. But that's a whole nother yeah, conversation. We're going to go there. You know what I mean? So, but go ahead. Move um, on. Hold on. I do have a question, though, because yeah. you talked about the... Um, uh, I think you were talking about the the, the, the testing that, that you would do to, the, to, to cancel everything out. Um, when it comes to those kind of things, so, so I taught health uh, when, I was, when I was in education, and, and I would teach my kids about, about drug use, because um, a lot of the, the youth that I dealt with were involved in smoking weed and, and doing other hard drugs, believe it or not, at a young age, and I would draw a, uh, a picture on the board of receptors. Um, and I may, be, I may be wrong here, like the synapse, the accent, the dentrite with information being sent and like how it changes when you smoke, when you pop a pill, how those messages change and how they're perceived. Um, when you prescribe, and I'm going back to, sure. to the question from earlier, and I keep, I should have wrote down the name of that okay, drug. Suboxone. Suboxone. Does that, is that reprogramming the brain and, and the messages that it sends to so the way, way. things are, are received and perceived? So not, I don't know fully if it's reprogramming it, but I would say that it's definitely altering the way that it's going through. That's, that's what I'm yes. saying. Yeah, okay. So the mu receptor, if you take an opiate, it sits on this mu receptor here. Okay. So the suboxone actually has a higher affinity for the mu receptor than an opiate or other type of drug. Okay. So if you took and utilized heroin or you use suboxone, the suboxone has a higher affinity for that mu receptor, so it's going to reach that before the heroin or other opiate could reach that. Gotcha. So I wouldn't like to think it. I don't think it's re-altering it, and I could be wrong, um, but I, it's just kind of signaling those receptor, receptors that they're saturated. So it's playing defense. Exactly. So it's playing defense. Yes, it's okay. kind of playing My defense. My sports analogy there for everybody. Okay, so the, so, so the play devil advocate here. Go ahead. Okay, doesn't that, in a sense, mask the problem instead of actually dealing with the actual issue is? Well, no, because okay. I would say for anything, Psychotherapy is going to be essential with everything. I'm never going to prescribe medications and not recommend therapy for people. Okay. So when you are going to therapy and also utilizing outside resources and other resources like that, in addition to your medications, you know, right now they're making a transition in the way that Suboxone is utilized. Initially, we want to use it for like a period of three to six months to utilize Suboxone, get people over the hump, and then slowly discontinue it, have them continue to go to therapy and, you know, drug rehab and things like that. But now they're starting to see addiction as more of a long-term type of thing. Okay. Because if somebody has diabetes, or high blood pressure, yes, we can transition them off of their diabetes medication or blood pressure medication, but we still always have to keep an eye on it. So they're starting to see that Suboxone's gonna be needed to be used for a longer period of time rather than just in the short term. Okay. All right. Okay, good, good info. <laughs> Uh, information. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot being here. I'm, I'm right. Her and Dr. Henry, man, right. man, we should have them we on the show together, right? together. That would be great. I'll probably learn from him. Dr. Henry, <laughs> Dr. Henry, you're watching. 
it, it would be great if we could have you two on the show together so we can get a lot more information and you guys can go back and forth because I would love that. So that would if, be, if you're willing to do so, I, I would love that. I will back. Yeah. No problem. Um, I'm going to check here on, on Facebook to see if we have any questions. If anybody has reached out, um, I know it's in the morning, so some people may be on their way to work or at work already. I can't well, even pop in. Go ahead, sir. That's, that's, you're fine. While he's doing that, um, I do want to, I'll ask my, my third question that I wanted to ask sure. quick. Um, so I know the difference between psychiatrists and psychologists, okay? Psychiatrists can prescribe medication. Right. But what are the reasons an individual may need medication? And you kind of spoke briefly on this already. Sure. But what would be the main reason that you would prescribe someone a medication? So there are so many different reasons. So there's people that have anxiety and depression. And I do feel, from my personal perspective, anxiety and mood you know, fluctuations are part of life. Sometimes you're going to have days where you're a little bit better than others. But when things become so profound that it's impairing your ability to function on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You don't want to brush your teeth. You have no energy to shower. You don't care if you take your blood pressure medication or not because you're like, oh, well, my blood pressure is just going to go up. Fine. Whatever happens, happens. Right. Those are times that somebody needs intervention right away. Mm -hmm. They need medication, and depending on the severity of it, they might need inpatient treatment to get them more stabilized where they can come back and function on a you know normal basis. So some people, not everybody has regular coping mechanisms. We've Indeed. talked earlier a little bit about individuals and children who grow up who don't have a lot of support or a lot of resources. You know, They don't develop the coping mechanisms that some people do that have resources readily accessible for them. Indeed. So Indeed. for those individuals, they might need something and I might prescribe something for them, for somebody else that might have normal or you know better coping mechanisms and be able to go to therapy and you know have a little bit more mental you know strength to overcome it. Um, but sometimes there's just chemical imbalances, and so Indeed. that's what things like schizophrenia, bipolar Indeed. disorder, even Indeed. with anxiety uh, and depression, uh, there are there chemical imbalances Indeed. that people need medications. Um, so there's also you know questionnaires that when individuals come in to see us, okay. we'll have them fill out questionnaires as far as how severe is their anxiety? How severe is their depression? Are they exhibiting signs of mania or psychosis? Mm -hmm. And those types of things we would also medicate as well. I guess I just ask that question because I just don't want uh, 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 medicine just being prescribed just because. I feel like yeah. sometimes uh, medication, opioids, can just be prescribed at a, at a high rate just because, and, but we're not actually focused on the source of the issue. So that's, sure. that's why I asked the gotcha. question. Go ahead, gotcha. Um, so you're talking about the chemical imbalances. Sure. That, so, so can an individual who is born, who is healthy, who maybe experienced um, a good life, can they develop chemical imbalances or what would cause that, that individual to, to have a chemical imbalance that needs these prescription drugs. Sure, absolutely. So people who have had better upbringings can develop chemical imbalances, and that's where it's epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Environmental influences on, that can... Out, out. What was that word you just said? <laughs> epigenetics. <laughs> epigenetics. Epigenetics. Can you define that word for yeah, us, please? So I don't know the exact definition, exactly, but I would but say it's environmental influences that have an impact on your molecular buildup. Gotcha, and so okay. that can be present from birth and like those adverse childhood events that mm -hmm. people experience that can blunt some of that and cause molecular changes. That could be a grown adult who experiences a trauma. It could be a car crash. It could be a sexual assault. It could be being held at gunpoint. And you have, a, you know, things become dysregulated and you have changes at the molecular level that can cause an imbalance. So it can be oh, wow. minute things that, that sure. can... Sure. Oh, that's that's I interesting. I don't and depending on resiliency. Yeah, and I don't want to use like the, the, 
use the word like throw someone off or mm. cause them to be thrown. But so something minute, it doesn't have to no. be anything major, but something minute can cause that. Absolutely. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, that is very yeah. interesting. And you know, there's also familial traits too. So sometimes when you see certain psychiatric disorders, um, there can be a family history. So some things are manifested later in life. Bipolar okay. disorder, schizophrenia, you know, those things can happen later in life that people did not show any signs and symptoms like that previously. Well, that's because you see, you see people like that, um, you know, prime example, you see individuals who have done something that went national and then they look into their background and they see that they had issues that nobody knew about yeah. or even addressed. Absolutely. And now this major thing has occurred and you know what I mean? And now it's basically like them acting out, so to speak. Yeah. So th that's very interesting that you would say something like that because I always thought um, it went by circumstance, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yep, so yep. if you're brought up in an environment where you can thrive um, and you have support and you can be successful, um, maybe it wouldn't be uh, a thing within that comfort zone, so to speak. Sure. But when you didn't grow up with that support, you didn't grow up with that uh, uh, environment to thrive, I could see how that could be a narrative, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why it's interesting when you say that, to know that something minute could offset yeah. you and, and cause trauma and issues yeah. within the line, or something that might have happened years ago could then show up years later so yeah. that's and very you know, sometimes know. people cope by suppressing memories and experiences yeah. because if you that. have to relive it every day it's going to be hard to manage yeah, right yeah. so you suppress that thing and it might take a trigger 10 years later where it kind of brings that back to the forefront of your mind and you're like oh my gosh so here's something for you talk about the triggers and i think i shared this with you so you knew that that we lived in philadelphia so yes. In Philly, uh, for any of those that have never been to Philly, like when you, I don't know if it's the same anymore because I haven't been on the subway in Philly in a long time, but when I was younger, we, and we took the subway, like there, there would always be people down in the underneath subway platform selling, selling oil, selling incense, selling pretzels, just different stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I had an issue with smelling incense. And I really didn't realize, and, and this has come in making more sense, of uh, the triggers of, I would smell an incense and I would immediately get sick to my stomach. Like I would get sick to my stomach and I'd be like, yo, who's burning incense? I could smell it a mile away. Yeah. Right. So I text messaged my brother. I was like, yo, T, I really think like I have some kind of mental health issue <laughs> because I smell incense and it triggers me back to Philadelphia. And he was like, yo, L, like that is a real thing. Like, it is. I was like, nah, man, I can't be. He's like, yo, it really is because I think about some of the trauma that we experienced in Philadelphia. And I can smell things that are associated to what I was experiencing, right, right to that experience. Yes. And it's like, man, that makes me so sick to my stomach. Yeah. Or like I can smell, I can smell the, you know, urine, like urine, urine has a unique smell, but you can smell urine that's been sitting for a long time. Urine in the yeah. yeah, and it's like, yeah, man, it's that's like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, I, I can Indeed. remember walking through the breezeway in yep. the projects, or yep. like I remember walking past like the, the, the so that is crazy it's that true. those things can trigger mental health things and it's it's something that everybody needs to be aware of but right. providers especially so think about a woman who's been a victim of sexual assault right mm -hmm. maybe she was held down and she was sexually assaulted right. then that was mm -hmm. 10 years ago mm -hmm. she goes to the dentist she's in a chair alone and she feels caved in she feels enclosed wow. like something like yeah. that 
takes her right back to experience. She freaks out so. because, you know, she's coped, but now she's put in a situation again where she felt kind of helpless, even though it's different. But those situations can, you wow. know, wow. make people re-experience that trauma. So working in alternative ed, right. we, um, you know, we sometimes we'd have to place uh, kids in uh, ESPYs, which is emergency, emergency safety, uh, physical intervention. Mm -hmm. um, Restraints, but you don't want to use the word restraints. But, but I, in the position that I was in, I would read the paperwork of all the kids that came in, right. um, just their background, get an understanding of them. And there are always some males and females, and they would talk about like, can't be left in a room with a male, or it's a male and a male. Like you can't leave that individual in the room with with the male, yeah. or you can't leave a female in the room with a female, or vice versa. Right. And if there's a physical intervention that's going to take place, like there needs to be multiple sex sexes involved Indeed. because Indeed. of trauma of these Absolutely. individuals. And the more that I like read those things, I'm like, oh my gosh! Like some of these kids have really been traumatized yes, in their life, and and it's and it's yeah. crazy. Um, I actually have a question that that popped up here. Is it is asking, so are so are people not born with schizophrenia? Oh, that's a difficult that's a question. Tough, that's a tough so one. Hereditary. It is hereditary. Okay. There's a hereditary component to it, yes. Okay. So I would say, yes, people kind of are probably born with schizophrenia, okay. um, but it doesn't always manifest right away. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be two years old sometimes, okay. and people are diagnosing you with schizophrenia. It has to occur at like a certain um, age. You have to have certain um, qualifications in order to be diagnosed with schizophrenia. But I would say, yes, okay. you kind of are born with it, and then it manifests later at can some you, point in time. Can you define schizophrenia folks, for those who oh, don't because that's, that's what, actually what coming into like the okay. next next sure, sure. next couple of questions here. So schizophrenia is a psychiatric disorder, and it has manifestations of area or you know periods of positive and negative symptoms. Okay. So positive symptoms of schizophrenia would be mood elation, um, paranoia, psychosis. Um, you can have hallucinations, whether right. it's auditory or visual. Right. And then you have negative symptoms, and negative symptoms would be blunted mood, blunted affect, social withdrawal, verbal withdrawal, okay. psychomotor retardation, which is where people have a little bit more of a slowness to their um, oh, wow. you know, mobility and mm -hmm. things like that. Oh, wow. okay. um, so that's what, how we define and you know how we end up diagnosing schizophrenia is based upon those types of symptoms and the amount of time that they have been present. Gotcha. Go so you're talking about the schizophrenia, so I'm going to jump into um, something that's kind of way out there. I don't want to say way out there. It's along the lines of what we're talking about. So when we think about um, those those uh, mass murders mm -hmm. from back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, the, yeah, the uh, Marilyn Manson, not Marilyn Manson. No, no, Manson. Right, was it Manson? Uh, the Manson well, there's guy. a whole, yeah. There, there's a, there's yeah. a list of them. There's a whole bunch, Charles. Charles. Charles Manson, Manson. that's yeah. it. Marilyn Manson um, is the Yeah, the what was the other guy with the glasses? Charles Manson. Dahmer. Dahmer. Okay, gotcha. So what would be, how would you explain them? Like, I, and I know you don't, you never encountered them to or had a conversation. But what know. is that like mentally? Like, because that's a that's a chemical imbalance. That, that has, like, yeah, it has to be. Uh, yes. I don't know. It's very fascinating. Right. Some of them have narcissistic traits. traits yeah. Um, I, I believe I believe all of them did. Well, to, yeah. To, to do something like that because it's more of like taking advantage and being in control no to remorse. its highest, yeah. no remorse whatsoever, that has to be a narcissistic trait within self somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't I you know what I mean? Them, but Indeed, it's definitely, but, it's messed up. And you know what, honestly too, how we talked about trauma and re-exposure to things, think about um, traumatic brain injuries. Um, 
athletes, yes. football players yeah. and things like that. So it doesn't have to be necessarily like somebody experiencing a trauma that's like emotional trauma. It could be physical trauma from a car accident, getting hit in the head, concussions, yeah. you know, repeated oh, things like that. It causes changes right. on this, you know, molecular level. And then if you're in an accident or something that's fatal to that effect and then you're prescribed a drug, the drug is going to offset your chemical imbalance because it's trying to <laughs> combat you don't like it. like no issue. drugs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so nah. I'm, I'm just... got a question just, for you yeah, about and that goes into my next question that I have here. Oh, well, no, yeah, okay. let me, let me, let me get I'm through sorry. this one. Um, I'm sorry, my apologies. Because I still want to, I still right. want to touch base on those, uh, on those, because because there was a recently um, an individual from I think New York area that yes. was that had that killed these women. Yes. And they're starting to find these bodies yes. on the... York or New York? In New York, New York, New York. New York. yeah, New York area. I mean, New York. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, we all know that. All know about that. But in New York, and and like uh, he had built a a cellar and mm -hmm. in the house mm -hmm. or in the backyard, and they're starting to find these bodies, and they're finding bodies on on these beaches. Like I I just don't understand and uh, how like the brain yeah. just like what what yeah. snapped in him to be like okay I'm going to start. And I mean that's the same thing. Who who was the guy that was was that was. Um, that was kidnapping the prostitutes. Dahmer was it? Dahmer, Dahmer? kidnapping the. No, that was no, the that other was, one. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, no, Dahmer was the one who was um, assaulting the men. The men. The men. Yeah. 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 So like like. Bundy. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Bundy. And who was the guy that played him in that in that movie? Uh, like, why did he make him look so good, though? Like, <laughs> like for real. Like that guy. Like he. Like they said he was right. charming, and that's yeah. why yeah, they, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. So that goes to the narcissist part that you're talking about. Exactly. They said he was very charming. He used it to his advantage at his highest. But this guy was not charming. This guy is a a heavier set guy with a a grizzly beard. Um, the nod like was not charming looking at all. But and you don't have to answer this question. But I'm just. I won't say that I'm fascinated because I'm not because it's not a fascination because I, I find it to be disgusting. But I just don't understand what triggers people to be like, okay, I killed a body, I killed a person, and now I'm going to continue this trend of killing these women. And and they're know. thinking that it may be up to like 15, 20 women. Yeah, like I that's mean, just awful. Yeah, it's like what know. what clicks there? It's a question that you have to ask. It's definitely something uh, traumatic there. But I it also, also asked. Did it was it a trigger and it just started or were there clues throughout their whole life that people did not pay attention to? Uh, and they say you know that. things yeah. that were questionable. They say, yeah. they say you hurting have to animals, you know, small Indeed. like things like that. So that's I good, don't know. That's a good question. Good one. But that's um, interesting. Good question. All right, uh, we'll, we'll we'll digress from that there. <laughs> that, that might be another show in right, itself too. Right, that was a good um, question. So we discussed with Dr. Henry various types of mental illnesses that included mood disorders, anxiety, um, personal disorders, and, and psychotic disorders. Um, and, and, and so you are on the other realm of this because she dealt with um, meeting with people, talking with people, as you talked about, with having the, um, still taking that therapy. What types of medications are prescribed for those individuals? And you don't have to answer all four of those um, disorders that I, that I was asking about, but what types of medications are described for people that that you are aware of that, that would be beneficial to them. Okay, so of course for anxiety, there's anxiolytics, so there's anti-anxiety medications. Um, so the usually first line is an SSRI, that's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So as we talked about earlier, it's always about like the chemicals and neurotransmitters in the, in the brain. Okay. There's imbalances, whether it's dopamine, which dopamine is um, an imbalance a lot for schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. There is imbalance of serotonin, which is supposed to be like a, you know, happy neurotransmitter, yeah, help with mood regulation. So serotonin reuptake inhibitors actually 
actually make more serotonin available in the synaptic cleft, as you talked about before, so that it's easily available for use. Um, so that's first line. They're generally like easily tolerated. Um, minimal side effect profile, might have like some GI upset, um, dryness of the mucous membranes, some sexual dysfunction with you know, most of the you know, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. Um, then when you go to, the SSRIs can be used for anxiety and depression. I'll say that too. So you just pick one that has a profile that's gonna meet more so for the individual patient. There's always something for somebody. If gotcha. they've had a poor reaction to one medication, there's other ones that we can try. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's really struggling and they're like, nope, I tried this before, I'm not trying to try it again, I would encourage them, if they were open to it and if I really felt that they needed it, I would say, let's try it again. Like, let's try a different one, gotcha. there's a different route. Um, and then as far as ones for like bipolar disorder, we do mood stabilizing medication. So they should be mood stabilizing medications to help with the you know, balance of the serotonin, the dopamine, the norepinephrine, and the brain. Is there a way to test the, those, those imbalances? Like how do you find the, the right, right balance? So Good I question. know with um, like being an alternative ed, we had kids that were on medication and, and they would miss school for med checks. Is there, is there a way to check, like I don't know the dosage wise, but just say they're taking five milligrams of a prescription drug. Is there a way to know whether or not the balance is prior to, or is there something that? You know, honestly, if there is, I don't know. Okay. If there is, I'm not sure. We go based upon effect. So we might do a questionnaire in the beginning, answer these questions. How anxious are you? How depressed are you? How is your mood? Are you having mood dysregulation? We start you on a medication, four or six weeks, you come back, we might do the questionnaire again, ask you if you've improved. I've if you have improved, then more so you had like a little bit of an imbalance and this has helped you. I've seen um, this questionnaire. Yeah, yeah. So, so the question I would have to that then is, if you're not going, if it's nothing with, that we can test within the body to know that the milligrams that we're prescribing will affect exactly what's going on, then couldn't somebody just lie on the questionnaire and continue to lie just to get a higher dosage of a, pre, a prescribed drug? So nobody's gonna get want to lie to get a higher dose of an okay. anti-anxiety medication. Gotcha. So now, if you're talking about medications that have abuse potential, mm -hmm. like opiates, narcotics, right. benzodiazepines. People might lie on that, sure, but there are other alternative medications that have zero to low abuse potential that we would prescribe for those types okay. of individuals. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So anxiety medications, depression medications, my pa patients typically don't lie about how depressed they are. Gotcha. So uh, going off of the, that questionnaire, because um, I've done I've done those a few times. Um, so when they talk, when they ask about the, the, the kid's learning ability and, and reading and writing and comprehension, how does that play a part into, into their mental health um, diagnosis or them um, being prescribed the prescription drug? Does that, because I don't, I never understood that when they asked me those questions and I'm filling out those questionnaires, like how does that play a part? So you mean you're filling the questionnaires out for children? Yeah, like okay. when I was uh, um, at, at River Rock, we mm -hmm. would, they would send in, uh, questionnaires of just asking questions, and I think it might have been more so about ADHD. If I'm saying that right, uh, just their their attention in the class, that okay. they they respond well to things. Uh, maybe it's more so that's what it is. But what? So are there are there 
I guess my question is, are there identifiable questions, and I know like you rate them, that will allow you to be like, oh, this kid really needs some help, or this individual really needs some help? Sure, so, so two parts to that. So for some of the questionnaires directed at children, what I have found is that most questionnaires, actually all questionnaires that we use, they go through testing, rigorous testing, to see are they reliable? Okay. Or is it testing what we're actually testing? Okay. Um, so they go through that. What I've also found in some of those questionnaires for children, they're screening for autism a lot. Okay. So even okay. my own child, um, he has speech therapy, okay. right? So they ask me those same questions. How's his attention? How's his memory? Some of those things to screen for autism to see if there's any type of a delay where okay. they need to have early intervention. Okay. So there are probably screening tools to test for ADHD um, because we see it a lot in the youth, but there's also probably some screening questions on there as well to check for autism. Okay. When can you diagnose a child with autism? Because I have a life insurance statement about that. I wasn't trying to go that round, but you brought up autism. Mm -hmm. But when when can you when can an individual be diagnosed with autism? And honestly, I don't know. I don't know the age for it, but I know that there's a lot of children, even like a probably. I was going to say two, young, three, I, I was five. Say maybe two. So I will let you both know, like when it comes to life insurance, mm -hmm. if your child is diagnosed with autism, they become uninsurable. They, oh, wow. they can no longer receive life insurance if they are diagnosed with, with autism at an early Why? age because it, it, it takes away their insurability. So, wow. so something that I've learned um, in my training, and I went to a, a seminar um, several months ago and sat around with a bunch of people that, that discussed life insurance, and it was, it was one of the things that they talked about was important on like talking to people about a life insurance is mm -hmm. getting your child on a life policy when they're young because by the time they get to three, four, and five, and they're getting ready for school, right. they start testing them for things. Mm -hmm. um, as you were saying, they start testing them for their reading abilities and learning abilities and cognitive things. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when they start diagnosing kids with certain mental health disorders. And then when you are diagnosed with those disorders at a young age, your insurability becomes, you become uninsurable with, oh, with wow. in regards to life insurance. So I, I stress to people that I talk to, like if you have a young child, newborn one, two, get them a life policy. Because once they have a life policy, it can never be taken away. Like it can't, oh, wow. you can't it take is. it away. That's, that, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I it did is. not know that. Yes, it but is again, important it's very for people to know that. Because yeah. it's just yeah, like, why? Yep, yep, wow. yep, yep. Um, go ahead, sir. You have, you have, yes. you have one down. So here. obviously, since we've been talking, you know that I'm not big on <laughs> yep. medication. Oh, okay. So <laughs> um, definitely not over the counter drugs. Um, I don't even uh, like to do you know vaccinations at home. I mean, at, at, with my local doctor or anything of that nature. Sure. So for a person like me who is coming to see you, what would be something that you would tell me to make me feel comfortable? with taking a prescribed uh, medication and knowing that it'll end in a positive manner for me. Okay. So one, I definitely can understand <laughs> why people are hesitant sometimes to take right. medications because I have felt like that as well. Mm. And the stigma, a lot of it has to do with the stigma associated with it. So I'm never going to, you know, um, ask someone to start a medication if I don't feel like it's gonna benefit them. Gotcha. And if you are okay in a state where I feel like you are managing, you haven't had a decline in your functional mm -hmm. status, you don't have to start a medication. First line for you, I would say right away, psychotherapy. Right. Therapy, therapy, therapy. The problem is people wait six months. Oh, we, you're having a crisis, we can do therapy, we can get you in in six months. People need therapy now, right. not in six months. Right. Um, so I would say you don't necessarily have to if you're still maintaining at a good point in time and we can get you into therapy. If I, you know, I tell people also, it doesn't have to be long term. 
give yourself something to get you over the hump. You know, women experience postpartum. Mm -hmm. They're hesitant, they're struggling. That's, you know, even if it's your first child or you're sick, it is a difficult transition into motherhood. And I can say that for myself too. I got two little ones. I'm, I'm tiny, I'm barely, I'm barely surviving here. <laughs> but, um, you know, postpartum, get yourself on medication, get yourself over the hump the next year, maybe two years, feel better, and then you can slowly transition off of it. It does not have to be something that you make a lifelong thing, but I don't want people to suffer when, there are, when there's help and there's things available, whether it's medication or not, to help them with something. Yeah, because it's just like when you watch the shows, I mean, the commercials on TV, TV, and they're talking about a, medi a medication, and it'll say, okay, help, this will help with colon cancer, something to that effect. And the side effects is your legs gonna fall off, yeah. your arm is <laughs> gonna go numb, your eye might twitch a little bit, and yeah. it's just like, why would I in inject myself with something like that, knowing that I'm trying to combat one issue, but all these other issues may arise. Sure. So it's just like that right there is just not, not enough for me. And even when you go to the doctor's office sometime um, and you have to get certain vaccinations, they can never provide the information that's needed to tell me exactly what's involved within that vaccination that sure. they're providing. So that if, if, if I can't gather that information that I will not inject it nor consume it within my body, sure. I'm also to know what I'm putting within my body. That way I can make the proper decision to say this is okay for me or this is not okay for me. Yeah, no, because I don't sense. want anything to uh, reconstruct my DNA, go in there and cause another issue or anything of that matter that may take me away from my kids, take me away from my wife, take me away from my family. Um, and I don't want to put anything within myself that may cause a different effect. Sure. You, know, you know what I mean? So yeah. I always just want to know what I'm putting in there and if there's information that can be provided on it, I think that's something that will help a lot of people like me um, to be more aware of it, more sure. conscious of it, and, and, and more willing to say, okay, maybe then. So there's always side effects of any medication. Indeed. Herbs, there's side effects. Indeed. And I will tell people too, exercise caution with the herbal supplements that you use because some of them are not always regulated. Mm -hmm. You don't know for sure that what you're buying has the quantity mm -hmm. and the actual herb that it's saying it has in right. it. Um, there is a USPA certified you know, stamp that you can look for on Indeed. some ones if you're into like herbal things, but there's always gonna be a side effect. But as clinicians, you have to ben uh, outweigh the benefits and the risks. Gotcha. What, is this more beneficial for somebody else? You have to just say, is it gonna benefit them more? Then, mm. okay, they might have a side effect and they're a little more drowsy, but they're gonna have better move and they're not gonna hurt themselves. Indeed. You know, you have to think about those types of things. And it's a discussion to have collaboratively. Yeah, you know, we indeed. don't get to choose and make patients get on things unless it is a safety concern. I'm concerned for their mental well-being and the you know well-being of people around them. But it's a collaborative thing. Indeed. I have a question here from from one of our from one of our watchers uh, viewers. It says, "Are the DNA blood testing helpful in finding the medicine?" Mm, good question. So that is something new that I'm recently learning about, and I can't allude to that as as much. Um, some clinicians swear by it. They like to do the genetic screening and the DNA testing, and they think that that really helps with them finding the route of medication that's going to be most useful. Gotcha. Um, other people that I've talked to have said, oh, I don't find it useful at all. So I think it's just clinician-based, and maybe some people know more in-depth about it and are able to provide you know, better um, guidance and direction mm -hmm. of what medication to use, but I have not personally had experience with that. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, question again, I think you may have answered this one. It says, can some of these medications for mood be sh taken short term? And I think you mentioned that they can be taken short term. Yes, yeah, some of them can, yep. Okay, um, I have a question for you that's not scripted. Um, so I have recently watched a show regarding um, marijuana. Okay. Um, 
it, they, it was it was on transitioning from big farm medication to to, to marijuana based medication, um, and there is a bus that they take from New York. It's called, it's, I think that, I think, I can't, I should have taken some notes. Should have taken some notes <laughs> on watching the show. But I think it was like, it's called the, uh, I won't say it's the weed bus, but it was, a, it was a good word. It wasn't just weed bus, but it was a bunch of older, uh, older uh, individuals um, that were getting on the bus to travel, to go experience a, um, like a store mm -hmm. that that prescribes medicinal. medicinal marijuana for individuals with pain or mental health stuff. Okay. Uh, so my question to you is: Have you have you in your studies have has that come up? Like marijuana yes. becoming yes. more popular? In it is a huge huge topic right now. Okay. It's very popular with individuals. Okay. My personal philosophy: I don't see anything wrong with it. Okay. It seems more natural. Individuals can take it. If you have had it before and you have had help, I would say, sure, go ahead. There is a subset of people that I would not recommend it for. Right. And that is for people who have experienced hallucinations, mm -hmm. paranoia, any type of psychosis in the past. Because marijuana can cause those and make it you know, manifest again. So we don't want to see people having paranoia and psychosis from you know, using medical marijuana. So those are the subset of people that I would say don't utilize it. But it is widely popular, it is used all over the place, and yeah, states are legalizing it. Mike Tyson is a huge. He actually has uh, a, uh, a like a forum. Form, yeah. yeah, he has a yeah. forum. So the show that I was watching, I think it might have been on CNN, uh, but it's one of those like pre-recorded shows. But there was a warehouse that was like um, that was. It, 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 I think I. Man, I really wish I'd have taken my notes. I'm always good at taking notes about <laughs> right. things. Um, you know, God. I know, right? But it was, it, it said it was, and it was different places. There was a place in like Canada, they were over in another country. Um, in, in Europe, and it's one of those countries where you would be like, how, I think it might have, not Israel, uh, but somewhere out there in the Middle Amsterdam? East. Nah, it was oh. in the Middle East, it was one of those Middle Eastern countries that right. you, and that, because when I was watching, I was like, wait a minute, they're, they're, like, I thought these countries are really holy and they're religious, strict, right. but it was a giant facility, and they had strains of, of like, of a medicinal for, for schizophrenia, for knee pain, for back pain, it was like, gigantic buildings and I'm talking about um, the one set it is and we all know how large a football field is mm -hmm. but it was 10 football fields oh my goodness. large and like it was just rows and rows right. and they were all like categorized for each different types of like pain for 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 people right. and they were talking about how they were finding out that medication those type of medications are are a little more suitable for for older populations because mm -hmm. of the lack of side effects that they have. Okay. Where some some and this is more this is not just on mental health, but this is where it's like well if this older person take is taking um, something for their knee pain, then they're going to need to take something for the side effect that it causes that mm -hmm. has them doubling up on on prescription drugs. Sure. But that was just a question that I wanted to ask in regards to your studies of are they taking different avenues um, and looking into it. Here's another one. What about uh, psychedelics? Hmm. I know Mike Tyson that's has talked about that well. is coming big too. It's psychedelics. In some places, they're actually legalized. Like you can actually go in stores in the and buy States? like yes, you can okay. actually go in stores and buy mushrooms um, and some other things as well. That's a good question because I, I was that was what I was about to ask you. Uh, so also with the psychedelics, how does that play a factor? Because if you do your research, um, you know that 
back then they used to actually do tests on soldiers and things of that nature with LSD and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and they said that was something that they used to, I guess, open them up or figure them out, so to speak. How does that kind of drug have an effect on the mind, psychedelics and things like that? How would you, what would you say about that? So I don't know much about psychedelics right. per se. Um, when you talk about medications that can cause hallucinations right. and mind altering things like that as far as psychedelics, mm -hmm. I would always exercise caution, talk to a provider about it first because I don't know what people's benefits are that they're getting from it. Are they saying it's decreasing their anxiety? They are. Passion? They're saying uh, you, you, a lot of entertainers, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, um, but they're saying a lot of entertainers are also saying that it's actually opening them up, it's making them do better music. Oh, um, sure, well, I, mean, I can believe that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, sure. because, right, that, that, that's why I asked. They're so. taking it so that they have a, bit, a bigger imagination right. and they don't have anxiety and depression. <laughs> I mean, sure. I so it's not something that's going to help them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, I think anybody that took a shroom might yeah. have better imagination. Right, and you indeed. might think more vivid, vividly. See some things, but indeed. as far as that, no, right. yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I do have I do have a couple more questions that are, that are not scripted. So, you've got into this field, mm -hmm. and what is your overall objective with getting into psychiatrics? What is your what is your primary goal at the end of the day? And mm -hmm. in five years, what do you want to say? Um, this is what I have done, and this is why I have done it. Yes. Wow, that is a loaded question. That is a very loaded question. That right? is a difficult question. So I really do not know where I'm going to end up. Right. I am counting on God to lead me. Right. I did not even think that I would be doing psychiatry. When I went into healthcare, I liked the medicine. Right. Give me like the chemistry, the biology, all that <laughs> right. stuff. And then seeing the need, it led me to segue into this. So I do enjoy the addiction um, services that I provide. I enjoy seeing individuals, you know, and it's hard right now because I work inpatient, so I don't get to follow along outpatient and see how they've done, you right. know. Um, I know I will probably want to work in an outpatient setting to help people see their progress along the way. Right. And I I like to think that I'm an easy person to talk to. You I are. would probably, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably want to segue into some type of therapy right. and maybe even have a practice providing therapy and prescriptions to uh, individuals. Right. And I say that because, I mean, I've seen a therapist before and I've seen a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. right? So you go to therapy, you talk about what's going on. Hey, yeah, things are going good. They're not going good. Okay, whatever. Then two weeks later, maybe you might see a psychiatrist. They might want to change your medications or it. whatever. Right. But I feel like if we could have that all together as one, mm -hmm. make the appointment times a little bit longer, government. <laughs> make the appointment times <laughs> right. a little bit longer for people, you know what I mean? So right. these providers have time to talk to their patients, yes. figure out how they're doing. Yes. And then I feel like as a nurse practitioner, I could get the both of them. Like I can talk to my patient, have a little bit more like therapy with them and then decide on medication management afterwards. So that's something I'd like to see because I feel like it's two separate entities right now. You go to see a nurse practitioner, outpatient for psychiatry, sure, it's a med, it's a med change. You go in, how's the meds? They're good? Okay. They, you might talk a little bit, you know, a little bit of conversation, right. alter the medications if you need to, or keep it at the same dose and then it's the next one. But if you can have a therapy session with somebody, talk to them, and then at the end of it, develop a collaborative plan together, that's where I think I'd be. You that know, is that is, yeah. that is that is good. I like my patients. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, we could tell that you are you are you know uh, energetic about this and you like it. Oh yeah. yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, that's great. I'm still learning. Right. <laughs> Give me some grace, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Um, you got anything? Because I'm going to continue on no, down here with, the, with some other questions. So. Um, 
we've asked you a lot of questions uh, about you know mental health and, and those and prescription drugs and medications. So just ask you a little question, some some things about you. Sure. Um, so what are types? Of, so what are some things that you are interested in? What are oh, things that you do okay. outside of sitting and doing, doing schoolwork? Yeah. Well, right now I have no life, <laughs> but I love gardening. I love gardening and how we talked about, you know, like mm -hmm. making your own things. Exactly. I can. I make a delicious relish coming soon. <laughs> I can a really right. delicious relish. I can tomatoes, peaches. I like to garden. I really do. I like to get my hands into the soil. It's something about growing something, you know, and I teach that to my children too. And it gets them to eat their vegetables, parents. Yeah. It gets them to eat their vegetables. They put a green bean in the seed and they see, you know, in the ground and they see it grow. Yeah. They want to eat the green they beans. Taste it. They want so, yeah, they those did, are things indeed. that I like. Like, I don't do too much. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, okay. You just say you have kids. Yes. So what are some of the things that make you happy about being a mom? Oh, well, let me just start. Motherhood is one of the most difficult things <laughs> I have ever done in my life. It is rewarding. It is fascinating. Right. It is really, really great watching these little people grow and, like, develop their personalities. And it's really wonderful. But it is real, okay? Yes. You need a break, and you yes. know, you got it. I'm so grateful, Teresa and Bracey. <laughs> You're the real MVP, girl, because, I mean, it is difficult. But things I love about it, just watching them grow, mm. watching them develop, listening to them have conversations with each other, they're four and two and a half. And they be saying something like, what are they talking <laughs> yeah, about? Right, right. So, How y'all talking like yeah, this? Yeah, having whole full-blown conversations with right. each other. So, um, just those things, giving them experiences and having them do stuff. And I have COVID babies, so they ain't used to nothing. I take them to TJ Maxx exactly. and they think that it is like, oh, it's on. <laughs> oh, you're right, you do. <laughs> you know? They, they don't get out much, so <laughs> little things make them happy. <laughs> uh, you have chickens. I know that you that you were raising mm -hmm. chickens and had eggs and, and doing those kind of things. Yeah, so. my township took my chickens. They took, oh, they took my chickens. No. Yep, they sure did. Wow. I guess I didn't give out enough, like, you know, you eggs, people, hush or, eggs. Yeah. You give out no hush eggs. It said as long as it was 100 feet from any residence uh -huh. that you could have it. Right. And then I get this thing that I was yeah. violating an ordinance. They done threatened <laughs> yeah, me like and you everything. Said, you didn't yeah. give out enough hush I eggs. I know, but you know what? This, yeah, the you hush mean, eggs. Yeah. I must not have. But so, it's motivation. How many chickens did you have? I had six. Six? Yes. Oh, man. Henrietta, Flo Flo, <laughs> and then the Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy Blanche, Sophia, and Rose. Oh, yeah. my God. It's amazing. Exactly. It's one of my favorite shows, by the way. Shout out to the Golden Girls. <laughs> one of my favorite shows. I love the Golden Girls. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I know, but it's okay. It's, it's inspired me, motivate me. Never gonna take my chickens again. Right. Next yeah, time, yeah. <laughs> want Mom wanted to take them. It's her husband who oh, <laughs> had a problem. Uncle oh, Bob. Uncle Bob. Those chickens over here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, yep. I guess what are the resources? Uh, last last question is what are resources to get in the field? What field? The field, field of psychiatry. Of yes, ma'am. What are the resources to get in that field? So first, for me, I went into nursing school first. Right. But I would say any segue that you can get to get into the healthcare field, start as a nurse's aide, go LPN, RN. And then you don't even have to go that route. If you're interested just in like therapy services, right. social workers, um, you can segue into therapy and things right. like that. Awesome. So I feel like there's a lot of segues. Well, um, we want to thank our guest for being on today. Um, she was very informative. Yes, she was. Uh, provided a lot. Yeah, oh, please. Thank you. Please. Thank yeah. you for coming on our show. We appreciate very, it. Very, very much informative. Um, we would love to have you back on in, in the very near future. Um, maybe we can get Dr. Henry on screen. Yes. And you two being here together, because you two are great minds. I, I think you two would, would get along very well. Indeed. Um,
very well. Um, as we close, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Lawrence Williams Health Insurance, Convenience Choice and Council, uh, More Than Just Health, located in Gettysburg, AIS Junk Removal, your local junk hauler. Uh, we are on our way. Weaver Counting Solutions offers booking, bookkeeping, taxes, and payroll services for local businesses and individuals, now located on High Street in Gettysburg, and Front Runner Construction. As we close our show, I think, uh, I think uh, Ms. Jaleesa wanted to mention um, the hotline or being able to get in touch with people for? Yes. Yeah, so I wanted so, to make sure I gave you that opportunity. Thank you so much. I want to tell people don't suffer in silence. If you are going through something or you have thoughts of harming yourself, please don't. There's a crisis hotline that is open 24 seven. You can call the local crisis hotline and speak with somebody, you know, don't ever hurt yourself. And if you feel like you want to, go into the emergency department or call the crisis hotline, talk to somebody. And if you have any ideas for our future shows, please leave a suggestion in the comment box. We appreciate it. Thank you all. So peace out to you all this morning. Peace out. Um, our mission is bigger than us. Our focus is not what they're talking about. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good evening. Have a good evening.